Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Monday, the 17th of January. Today, I'm joined by Apollonia Vlaslova, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Apollonia. How are you, to, uh, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you, Peter? Very well. Uh, sound okay, then? <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank working. God for that. Thank God for that. Um, <laughs> yes, I was, on the, I was on, on the edge of my seat there. Uh, so, yes, how are you doing today? Uh, all, all good? Oh, you uh, also got to say to the, the listeners, where, where are you at the moment? So I'm currently in rural Russia. Um, not really rural, it's nice to Moscow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, reporting from, reporting oh. from uh, snowy Moscow. Very exciting, very exciting. Watson's uh, Daily has reporters everywhere. Oh, no, <laughs> that's right, around <laughs> the world, around the world. Um, so, yeah, no, this is brilliant. Um, so, yes, thank you. Um, uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, so, yes, today, what um, grabbed your attention most from Watson's Daily? Uh, for me, the most curious one was um, the fact that Robert Sinclair, who is the boss of um, London City Airport, um, stated that he is very optimistic about um corporate travel mm-hmm. returning to pre-pandemic levels yeah so for me that's probably the story grabbed my attention because i started reading the ft article and i realized that i probably do not agree <laughs> with <laughs> his predictions um but also at the same time i do understand his reasons for doing it because he does have to keep the investors happy and it is his entire job so yeah. i completely understand his optimism yeah. and <laughs> the yeah. Um, yeah, the predictions in that way. So essentially, um, why I disagree with them, though, is because um, I believe that for several reasons, including cost and time efficiency, um, the avail- availability of efficient new communication tools, and environmental concerns with um, a lot of massive corporates pledging to net zero and um, similar environmental, uh, making sort of the similar environmental pledges, I think mm. for these reasons, the corporate travel will sadly um, for some industries wane in the future. So for yeah. me, an interesting statistic was that um, essentially the, the the region of this that I think will be cut most is internal meetings um, happening abroad and happening at an international level. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a Bloomberg statistic that says that roughly for 40% of corporate travel is for internal meetings, not for meetings with clients. Yeah. And I mean, that's, me, that's that, a, is, yeah. that is a, I mean, that is a major st- uh, statistic, I would say. I mean, mm-hmm. 40%. I mean, that's huge, isn't it really? Exactly. Exactly. So it's almost half of the meetings are internal. Yeah. And I think those are the ones that are going to get cut first. I completely understand the appeal of, meeting your clients face-to-face, maintaining relationships. Yeah. A lot of corporates have been reporting that some of their mm. um, contacts and clients have been weakening in a way because of the um, lack of in-person meetings. So I understand yeah. that appeal. I understand. I, I do believe that um, those face-to-face, the, the value that the face-to-face client meetings add to transactions mm. will probably help corporate uh, travel in the future. But these internal meetings that now can be carried out through Zoom, through all sorts of things. Like, for example, um, Shell Oil, they use some sort of interactive 3D simulations of um, yeah. platform oil plants and platforms. Um, yeah. And then Michelin. Almost, almost like Metaverse, yeah. then, basically. No, exactly. And then uh, yeah. 
companies like Michelin, the tire producer, visit yeah. their sites for drones and that sort of thing. There is mm. all sorts of AR um, sets and that sort of technology that yeah. is entering the corporates yeah. that um, is helping conduct these internal um, reviews and meetings um, mm. online. So, yeah, well, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, um, I always thought that, you know, City, I always um, liked City Airport. I mean, when I was broking, I used to travel all the time. Um, and City Airport was a dream. I mean, you go there and, you know, check in and stuff. It's, it's all it's all much quicker than going elsewhere. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought it was really good. Um, the thing is, is that, as you, as you rightly pointed out, um, He's obviously talking his own book here because, uh, you know, another another way of putting the headline is head of uh, London City Airport, whose uh, whose job it is to attract um, business travel, says uh, says business travel is going to come back and do really well. Shocker. You know, so um, I mean, he's, he's talking to say, but but then again, look, he has to if he said. You know, if on the other hand, exactly. um, he said it was head of head of London City Airport says, <laughs> I don't think business travel is coming back. Um, I'm, but I do like going home early every day. Um, then, um, you know, I, I mean, the, the share price is actually tank. So he's got to talk a good game. I mean, I, but then again, you know, you've got to look at sort of what is realistic here. I mean, when do we think that that um, business travel is actually going to come back? I mean, we have seen that. Uh, Leisure travel has def- definitely come back. And I do think that, um, you know, that is the one that's going to come back the strongest. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, people can only take so many caravan holidays and, and uh, you know, camping out in, in uh, some boggy field somewhere, you know, um, you know, you want to go somewhere. You, want, you know, people will, the longer this, this has been going on, I'm, I'm sure that the, more people will want to go away, and plus, plus the other thing, the other thing as well, of course, is the fact that um, over this t- over this period of time, a lot of people have have saved a lot of money, and um, and I think that they're going to want to, they might, you know, you might want to go a bit further afield or wherever they do go, they'll they'll probably try and go to nicer hotels. Um, so you know, so leisure travel definitely, I think, is going to be um, coming back, but business travel, um, I think, the longer the longer this goes on the worse the prospects of, of business travel are going to be. I mean, I think that there's a, there's a, 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 an element of um, keeping up with the Joneses here in terms of traveling, because I can imagine in the high testosterone world of, um, you know, investment banking, um, a lot of people weren't going and, and pitching for business in person. Um, but, you know, I think I said this at the time. Um, I said, you know, once anyone gets a whiff of, say, um, I don't know Goldman Sachs getting getting more IPOs and things uh, because their sort of top deal maker is going and doing a massive roadshow um, around in in Europe. Then everyone else will suddenly jump on the bandwagon. But even then, everyone's just going to do it anyway because that's just what they're like. Um, so um, so yeah. So I, I think that uh, there's a cer- certain elements, like I say, deal deal making and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that is the big that is one big thing but i think uh, apart from that um it's going to be very on a practical terms i actually think um companies are making overseas travel a lot harder um than they For were sure. before 
Um, you know, you're going to have to fill in loads of forms. You're going to have to justify, you know, exactly what you're doing, what it's going to bring, all that kind of stuff. You can't, you know, it, it won't be enough to sort of go, I'm just going to put in some face time with my top client because otherwise he'll go to someone else. Um, you know, I mean, that's just not good enough then because then they'll say, well, you know, obviously you're, you're, you, know, you should be do, doing better, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I do think, um, business travel is going to take a lot longer to come back. I mean, I'm thinking a year, two years, perhaps. Um, and it's, it's kind of going the way of the business lunch, really, because, um, you know, business lunch um, back in the day, um, it was quite easy to, to go off and, you know, take. I mean, I'm just talking from sorry from my experience in investment banking. I mean, I know not everyone, not it's not all the same everywhere, but, you know, it, it was quite easy to go out and, mm-hmm. and and you were actively encouraged to go and do do this. And in fact, if you were there too much at lunchtimes, they would start asking you, why aren't you taking people out? <laughs> um, so, the, you know, there was an element of that. But I think now it, it's so much harder to get it past anyone um, that most, I think a lot of people will think, oh, I can't be bothered. Um, and that is bad news for London City. So personally, I think he should be swallowing some of that uh, pride, um, and I think he should be aiming a bit more at leisure, I reckon. No, absolutely. I I agree with you, especially in terms of the client-oriented nature, I guess, of um, surviving corporate travel. So there was a report in November, actually, conducted by um, an Alex Partners consultancy um, that stated that there will be a structural, specifically structural decline of between 15 and 25% mm. through 2025 of um, corporate and business travel. And mm. for me, the word structural stands out there because it's precisely the structures that are changing. Yeah. It's precisely the difficulty, like, for example, as you were saying, how difficult it is to justify certain travel, like Volkswagen yeah. um, had to, I mean, I think in their internal kind of doings, they have all these forms. And before you fill out a um, form where you have to justify why you're going, where yeah. you're going. You yeah. also have to say why you can say travel by train or yeah. any other means that is yeah. more saying that. Um, exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, that's, it will be an absolute pain. I, I guarantee it. There'll be a space on this, on this form or brought you know, online form, or whatever. Uh, and it will say something like, can this meeting be done online? That will be, exactly. you know, it will yeah. tell us why, uh, please state exactly why this cannot be done online or something like that. Mm-hmm. It will just be a massive pain. Um, so, so yes, I think the days of, you know, Air Miles or Avios, whatever they're called these days, you know, that, those kinds of things are... Uh, are going to, uh, you know, are, are going to decline. Uh, in well, my there opinion. are, um, I think a lot of airlines, not to stretch this topic too far, but a lot of airlines um, are considering different subscription methods and such. So, for example, yeah. Air France, I think, are considering a specifically leisure-oriented mm. kind of, not subscription, but a uh, loyalty um, yeah. program and that sort of thing because they're precisely putting their bets on yeah. um, leisure travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other, the other, the other thing is what well, the other thing, of course, was um, was the fact that um, you know I, I'm talking about big companies where you'll have to go through layers and layers of 
um, bureaucracy to to actually get that seat on that plane. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, um, as we were talking about this earlier, um, and I'm sure I saw this the other day uh, in the newspapers saying that actually the ones who were doing business travel were SMEs. And I suspect mm-hmm. that is because they feel they need to fight a bit more for the business. Um, yeah. Plus, I would suspect that they have less bureaucracy to fight through. Because, you know, um, you're, as a, yeah. at a big company, you'll have some massive, you know, kind of HR policy or something that set, that decrees that everyone's got to reduce the carbon footprint and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think the SMEs will be like, oh, yeah, that's a nice idea, but we're going to do this because uh, yeah. we need... Probably we need... Also, yeah, they probably also have less kind of tech capacity yeah. is, um, yeah, where I was coming at it from is that they don't have the drones that, mm. you know... Certain yeah. companies have don't have the capacity for AR headsets and that sort of thing. They have to go and um, look at the physical space, the physical, mm. you know, see physical clients. So yeah, yeah I agree there. I agree there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think so. Uh, I think at the end of the day, if if we were Apollonia and I um, <laughs> advising um, Robert Sinclair, and you know, Roberts, Roberts, if you're listening, uh, just just get a pen and paper. Um, is is I think first of all, um, concentrate all your efforts on SMEs um, for business mm-hmm. travel. Um, obviously, try and keep your hands in with uh, with the big ones, but I don't think that's that's going to be very cost effective. Um, and then the uh, the second thing is increase the leisure you know leisure travel segments. Yes, um, you know it, it has been very much a, a business traveller um, oriented hub. That doesn't mean there's no law uh, saying that it, it has to be forever in a day. And I think you just have to change with the times. Yeah. So there you go. I think it's, it is a very convenient space, and it is mm. a convenient um, kind of route to take. So I don't see mm. why. An expansion into leisure travel wouldn't be would, yeah. would be in any way kind of logistically difficult. Yeah. So yeah. Or, or maybe so. you know maybe go the other way. I mean, they could go to the the, the sort of very high end because I always used to mm-hmm. look as I, I was going past in the you know when I would come in in the uh, uh, to the to the airport there was a, there was a heli I think it was a helipad and there was a private jet entrance as well um obviously well, I, went, I went well i went past that obviously um but um but i just think you know actually when you think there's there's a lot of uh it seems that that end of the travel spectrum is actually doing pretty well so i, I don't you know you could pair up with like soho club or something and create a luxury experience you know I'm Especially sure. when you're kind of the one that anyway, so many yeah. ideas. So there we go. There we go. So That's a, that sounds like a dragon's den idea. That does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Um, so, so, what what did you pick out from the litter today? Yeah. So, what did I pick out? So, um, I I've, I've actually forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> um, God, do you know? Because I, I I went out in my defence. I went out for lunch. Uh, not lunch. I went out for. Um, I did a workout, and and my I just can't. I just can't function. To be honest, it took all I could to crawl into the chair. Uh, to to just now to um to to do to record this. So, um. Uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, oh, right. That's what it was. Uh, right. Issa Brothers. Swoop for boots. 
yeah, yeah. so uh, and by the way when i talk about that i'm not talking about footwear i'm talking about the um the you know the high street pharmacy <laughs> so the issa brothers are the brothers who got together with i think it was tdr capital to buy asda not very long ago um uh, they own also the uh, you know lo- loads of petrol stations and things up and down the land um now at the moment the current owner of boots which is called walgreens alliance boots which is a great name for a company um is is um they're sort of trying to sell it off well i say they sort of they they are they are selling it off right so i personally think that i mean there's others there's others there's others in the running right so there's there's a um, private equity there's bain capital cvc capital partners they're in the running they're, they're thinking of launching a joint bid um but i think strategically i actually quite like the idea of the issa brothers buying mm-hmm. it because if you think about you know combining businesses of um uh, service stations or you know garret yeah, petrol stations uh asda and boots actually you could sell i mean it means that you would suddenly be able to you'd have much more distribution um with mm-hmm. you know for boots because actually for years and years um the one of the major thorns in the side of boots and Superdrug, um, which, by the way, Superdrug's owned by A.S. Watson, not a, not a uh, <laughs> not a relative, uh, sadly. Um, but um, the the um, you know the thorn in their side has been the increased amount of sort of pharmacy type stuff that has been appearing in supermarkets. It's a bit like you know right. in day in days of yore you'd have like a wine merchant's wine shop or whatever you know in 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 high street or something um but then supermarkets then decided to sell booze and then suddenly you all these places all started disappearing and things um same kind of thing for for uh, the likes of boots and superdrug um you've got people sort of going and doing their shopping and doing and going and buying their i don't know shower gel um headache pills and that sort of that sort of stuff whatever whatever it was um at at the supermarket so actually this in a way almost goes full circle where you'd have boots and asda together um and then you've got the uh, and i think it would be great distribution um for to have boots products in um so you know service stations petrol stations up and down the land so, no, absolutely, yeah. especially with a kind of 20, well, some of the stations being 24 hours and that sort of thing. Mm. I think, um, well, for me, what was a bit weird coming into the UK was that pharmacies are not open 24-7. Uh, yeah. And um, if that capacity is expanded or somehow merged with, say, petrol stations or some sort of corner shops and mm. that, sort of, um, that sort of an idea, I think that would be quite, quite um, a niche in the market to be filled. Yeah. Um, also completely see that happening with boots, especially, um, uh, with them diversifying, well, perhaps not petrol stations and with, with them diversifying into cosmetics and that sort of thing. I think it's a good add to the portfolio, yeah. um, in terms of pairing up with a supermarket as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, completely yeah. agree with you there. Just, um, you know, it really does help. It will help boots is, um, uh you know distribution and just at a stroke mm-hmm. um and i i suspect that um you know if the pr- private equity lot come in i i presume that what they will do is just come in and do what private equity firms generally do they come in they look at the balance sheet they'll go okay 
let's let's cut the bottom performing ten percent, twenty percent, or whatever. Um, cut those, sell them off, cut the jobs, um, do some more cost cutting, and then you know exit the business in a few years or something. I mean, I know that is a massive, massive generalization. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there are private equity firms out there who are lovely, fluffy bunnies um, who love, uh, you know, who, who, uh, who are very keen to make sure everyone is, is, uh, is feeling good about themselves. Um, but generally speaking, I would say they're not. Um, and so um, I think that this in, in a strategic if I was if I was working at Boots, for instance, I'd be way, way happier um, if the Issa brothers um, would bought it than I would if Bain Capital and CVC Capital Partners came along. Um, mm. And I think, like I say, from a strategic point of view, um, I personally think that that makes more sense uh, to go with them. But it all, mm. of course, depends on the price. And if it depends on the price, I would say I wonder whether Bain and CVC will actually win because the fact is is that the Issa brothers... Um, you know, moneyed though they are, um, they they've already stretched themselves to buy um, Asda. So to to do to buy and Boots is not an inconsiderable acquisition. I think they're talking about a price mm-hmm. of something like ten billion pounds or something. So right. if that is the case, where is the money going to come from? So that's my that would be my so strategically, I think it's a brothers great, but finances not so sure. Whereas Bain Capital, CVC Partners, as we keep hearing, you know, all these places, they've, they've all absolutely, you know, doshed up to the max. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, all they need to do is to just, uh, I don't know, pack up a couple of trucks, chuck some gold on and bosh, you know, you've, you've got a... <laughs> Sorry, it's not exactly like that, but, you know, it's, it's good to imagine that, isn't it? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, that's what I would say, I think. On that I point. think if they get the opportunity, if, if they see the opportunity in this, um, especially to short time and pretty fast after the acquisition consolidate real estate, uh, which is probably a massive chunk of the yeah. spending in boots. I think that if they see the profit in that and if they see the kind of um, synergies in that, mm. I think they might just spend the extra couple pounds. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, it's interesting. I'm sure there'll be that surely there'll be others coming along to because, you know, the thing is, Boots has got a massive presence. I mean, you can look at it as a, as mm-hmm. a pharmaceutical chain, but you could also potentially look at it as a, as a, a, a load of, you know, a, like a, a massive distribution powerhouse, because pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always put Boots on a par with WH Smith in the sense that I would say they are on pretty much every high street there is you know it's 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 more so than say um uh, m&s because i suppose m&s tends to be in nice places or waitrose is in nice places whereas um wh smith and boots are, are every are literally everywhere so um so from that point of view um you know their distribution is 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 pretty pretty uh broad so that's good news for whoever buys them, but it's a case of what do you do with that store estate? You know, do you keep with it and sell different stuff, in, uh, you know, additional products in there, or do you cut it down and try to just concentrate on the profitable ones? I don't know. You know, it's a difficult one. But considering that Boost has its own product range and that sort of thing, and since we, we are the, our strategy now is to mm. put it in petrol stations and potentially even somehow consolidate with um, brands like Asda, 
I think that could lead to a certain consolidation of real estate in the sense that you don't have to have a separate boots everywhere mm. where you can get boots stuff mm. at say a petrol station, yeah. um, which they already own. So I think that, that there might be some um, yeah. pockets of cash available. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think actually when you sell stuff at, at petrol stations, you've got a captive audience, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, no one goes, Oh, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my toiletry shopping. I'm just, I'm just going to go to the garage down the road. Um, well, not as, as far as I know, anyway. Um, you know, you, it's more a case of, oh God, I have, haven't got any of this, that, and the other. Um, um, oh, I'll just go to the garage because that's just down the road. So obviously, you could put a nice little markup on there. Um, so actually, oh. your margins would be quite good. Um, so you know, again, it would make small sense. Anyway, we don't know. We don't know the Issa brothers. Again, if the Issa brothers are listening, you know, get get your get your money together. We think it's a good strategic uh, <laughs> acquisition. This is um, not official financial advice. No, no exactly. No, no, no. Or M and A advice for for that matter. Um, but um, but yes, yes. So so anyway, so there you go. That's that's that, that that's that in a nutshell, I guess. Um, I suppose we'd better wrap it up there. But um, I will just say that. Uh, I released Watson's yearly uh, late last night because I did say that I was going to release it by the end of the weekend and it was all getting a bit tricky. Uh, but uh, I did manage to release it. Um, and it is, for those who don't know, I mean, I'm sorry for those who do, but, um, you know, it has a, a review of last year, a preview of this year, and along with some uh, a few ideas in terms of um, things I think, uh, themes I think will be interesting this year um, and the other thing as well is I've done a um, a write-up of all G20 countries things like you know key facts and things that you need to know about all these countries what's going on um, and that is available for people who subscribe to Watson's Daily on a silver subscription um, I'm going to be uploading more stuff because uh, in order to write that, I had to rewrite all the um, monthlies, um, and that was they they were they were pretty long uh, in themselves. Um, so I'm going to be uploading those as well. Uh, and this particular document is going to be as live as it can be, uh, and it will be updated throughout the year. And I don't mean once every six months. I mean literally, if I see anything change, I'm going to put it in the yearly, uh, and to make sure that you don't miss anything um when the weeklies come out i'll say oh there's a little section in the weekly and it will tell you what things you're where to look or you know what updates have been made so it's going to be a very it's a very useful document i haven't seen any kind of document like it um i did it because um i thought that it would be useful for people and it is the sort of thing i wish that i had had when i was working in the city I mean, we used to get annual, um, you know, predictions and stuff like that, but they used to be done and then that was it, you know, so they were useful for about a month or, or, or six weeks. And then they pretty much, they lost their shelf life after that. But I always thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to actually update it? So that's what I've done. And uh, hopefully people find it useful. I mean, it's spectacular. I had a quick read for it yesterday and it was just such a massive uh, just massive information, I guess. And that's why Peter has sent um, his ambassadors to Russia and other G20 countries to keep up to date. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it really is a spectacular document and I can't wait to see what, what happens with um, 
with all the updates this year. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot. I mean, this is where it starts and then it grows and grows and grows. Um, so, you know, by the time it gets to the, uh, the end of the year, it'll be like, wow, you know, all, the, all these updates. And then at that point, I will tell you whether I've been right or how right or how wrong I've been in my predictions. So there you go. Anyway, thank you very much indeed. I'm really glad we managed to do this because it was looking a bit iffy on the sound <laughs> front. Um, but you'll be back later on this week, won't you? Yes, on Wednesday. No, thank well, you always for, as always for having me. This is um, an enjoyable chat. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that you, you could make it and that we could, we could make this. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. Um, thank you very much to listeners for listening. Um, and we'll be back again soon. Um, and I'll be back again tomorrow. So many thanks. Bye. <laughs>